hosting for your tech life. Proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Can you believe the 2013, 2013 is almost over? It's amazing. It, it, it's literally amazing to me that we've come all the way through the year at such rapid pace. Um, certainly feels that way for me. I don't know about you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading each and every week across the year. Um, I think this will be the last one for the year because it's Christmas next week. I might squeeze in a year-ender just as we uh, cruise through to the end of the year. And then it's on to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas where I'll bring you daily podcasts from the show floor and the Las Vegas area as we look at the 2014 trends, products and um, innovations that we will see across the year. Um, interesting times ahead and uh, lots to talk about with that. It's all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation and GPS Technologies. A couple of interesting uh, things to bring in tonight. I want to talk about taxis and, and how that industry is being turned on its head by technology and by startups and by apps. Uh, and we'll talk to um, one of the founders of one of those apps of which I speak on this show. Um, I'm also going to talk to the new boss of the NBN, the National Broadband Network here in Australia. Um, they've had a strategic review uh, and the new CEO is a man I know and uh, I was able to get some time with him on the day that was announced. So I'll bring you that chat shortly. Uh, your calls are welcome each and every week on 1800 157 157 or of course you can uh, go to the website eftm.com.au and send me an email, get in touch, say good day. Whatever it is about technology, questions, problems, comments, absolutely doesn't matter. Uh, you can get in touch and say good day. We've got a few calls tonight, um, even on vacuum cleaners. Uh, vacuums, iPods, iTunes, iPhones, Telstra, Optus, uh, Apple, you name it. We've got um, conversations to have about them on this show. Episode 219 of Your Tech Life. Uh, coming to you a day late this week. My apologies. Uh, a little bit going on, but... Uh, you know, we're sounding good. What do you, what do you think? I mean, um, sounding okay in the new studio? I'm loving it. Um, new microphone even. I've gone to the whole hog here this week. Um, we not only have a new studio, but a new microphone. And uh, maybe even next week we'll wrap up the year with Stephen Fennick right here in the studio too. We never know. On Two Blokes Talking Tech, you can uh, read my gibberings and tech and motoring and other news at eftm.com.au. You can follow me on Twitter at trevorlong, twitter.com forward slash trevorlong. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. This is Your Tech Life. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. And thank you for listening. Whatever you want to talk about in technology in your life, uh, questions, problems, or you just want to chat about any piece of technology you're considering or that you own, uh, yourtechlife.com or 1-800-157-157. Let's go to calls. G'day, Paul. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Um, I've been messing around with my uh, iTunes and my iPod. Mm-hmm trying to sync sync it up and have a look at a bit. And basically, I've lost all my songs on iTunes. Um, I'm not 100% sure what I've done, but the songs are there, but there's a little asterisk. Uh And basically, now that that I'm trying to put new playlists and fix it, I use an old iPod that I used to have with my kids. It, um, yeah, it just says the song isn't there. It can't find the file path. So in in the so forget the iPod for the moment because okay. it's just sitting over there on the side. In iTunes yep. itself, you can see the list of songs, but you can't play them. There's a little asterisk. Exactly right. And I've, I've, I've got a theory that I've thought about since I've contacted you, mm-hmm. but I'd love to hear what you think first. Or, yep. or oh, well, well, the first thing is, so iTunes is really... Um, it's just like a front end. It's just like a piece of paper that that you write uh, that that has a list. It's yeah. not really the songs. Uh, the yeah. songs still sit somewhere on a computer, so it's very rare to literally lose the songs. Mm. It is it is though not uncommon to lose the link between iTunes and your songs. So I would hope that the the file. So let's say you had uh, Chain Reaction John Farnham, the, yeah. the the MP3 file or the AAC file might be called Chain Reaction dot MP3, yeah. and and it might live on a certain part of your computer, and iTunes just doesn't know where it is. Okay. Thinking back to the last time it worked, um, I'm not sure if you've used the Google Play Music app. I haven't actually, to be honest, no. Okay. See what what it, you can do with that because I've got an Android phone. Yeah. Um, is 
you can upload your iTunes library yes. to your Google Play, and then you can use that. You can stream. It's like the iTunes Match, but it's free. Yes, right, okay. Okay, and since I've done that, I'm thinking maybe have I literally uploaded those songs? Because well, even in that circumstance, if you literally uploaded the songs, they still live on your computer. Uh, okay. The upload is not just there. a copy. When I go into it, I've looked it up on the computer. Like, you know, when you Google that problem, mm. like a bazillion things come up. Mm. And I started looking through it. And when I've gone to where it says my music should be, there's no music there. There's only my purchase songs. So either I'm looking in the wrong place or something else has gone wrong. And, and how familiar are you with, like, Windows, with, you know, looking around the file system? Oh yeah, I, I would say fairly, fairly yeah. familiar. Because obviously, the you you would have seen online when you're doing searching, the most common place for it to be stored is in My Documents, and then My Music, and then sure. iTunes, and then yep. they did change it from being it was iTunes and then Music. Now it's iTunes and then My Library and you know My Music or something. So there's a whole stack of paths. How many songs do you reckon you had? Um, there was about I think it says at the bottom eight gig, so many days. Right. So that, that's not an easy amount of files to just go missing from a computer. And here's one way to, to kind of check if they're buried somewhere in that iTunes folder for a start, is you go into My Documents, My Music, and right-click on My Music yeah. and go Properties, yeah. right? Because that what that'll do is it'll show you the total size of that folder. And if that folder's about 8 or 9 gig, then, hey, presto, they're in there. But if that yeah. folder's only, you know, a couple of meg or a gig, then the files aren't, aren't in that folder and there's something going on. Um, I guess then the question is how, um, how how to find the music, and you've at least got a list of your music, which is, you know, a half start, I guess. Um, yeah. The the you know the Windows search isn't the best at, at the, yeah. the best of times. It's, it's nothing like on a Mac, and I'm, I'm converted to a Mac probably mainly because of this. You can just press the little um, magnifying glass and type a name, and it'll find every file, every application. It's just amazing. But on Windows, it, what version of Windows you're running? It's fairly old computer, it's XP. Yeah, so it's, again, not it's not the best index. You, yeah, you, sure. Do you have a lot of hard drives, or is it just the one hard drive? Do you have any external drives or network? Yeah, yeah, I've got a backup of my music. Like I've changed computers about a year ago. I changed mm-hmm. one computer, to, one old computer to another old computer, mm-hmm. and I had a whole heap of problems putting the new songs on because it started making two copies and then three copies. And yep. Then, yep. So I've been through it once, and I've and I've backed it up. I didn't want to do that again because I wanted to find out if there was a simple fix because <laughs> it was a bit of a nightmare going deleting every second song. Yeah, I understand. So, do you have playlists that you're desperately yeah. attached to? Oh no, oh no, no. I can. I've, yeah. I'm not desperately attached to them, mate. No. Here's what I do. Easiest yeah. thing in the world. If you've got a hard drive with all your music on it, I would yeah. go into iTunes. I would yeah. highlight, select all, and I'd delete it all. Yeah. Just delete everything, and then get your hard drive um, yeah. and plug it in and move everything. Just forget iTunes now. Move everything in Windows Explorer over to the My Music folder. Sure. And then go into iTunes. And file, uh, I think it's file, add to library or import to library. Before you do that, um, there is a setting in iTunes that uh, if you go into the properties and, and the settings, there's a setting somewhere deep in there and they've moved it a bit, but it's called something like organize my library or let iTunes organize my music. Yeah. Now, if that's ticked, then when you add a song, so let's say you copy Chain Reaction onto your C drive slash my documents. Yep. When you add it to iTunes, it also takes that file and adds it to my music, iTunes, my music library, etc. So there's actually two copies of the song on your computer, okay. which is not an efficient use of your computer's hard drive. So yep. you either need to let iTunes do the work when you import it from your hard drive, or yep. just don't let iTunes do any of that organizing. Just have all your songs sitting in one spot, and you know where they are in future then too. Okay, so all it does, it, it just creates a link no matter where they are. Correct. It just cre- okay. Yeah. All right. so, it, it's yeah. just creating a link. But as I said, there is that one setting that says, hey, uh, do you want me to organize it for you? Yeah. And then it, it, no. it organizes. But see, the reason I don't have that, that tick is because I want all my music to sit on a network folder so that it's accessible on all the computers. Um, and it's just the best way to go. You know where you put your music. It works better that way. It's only the new stuff. So if you buy songs on iTunes, they're the ones that it'll then, you know, create folders and organize them around. So you need to remember in future, those ones need to be backed up. Oh, okay. Because those ones appear on all my devices and those ones I haven't lost. It's just the Uh, stuff that I've put on myself. Yeah, so you don't have to worry. Right, okay, yep. Um, And again, same thing. If you delete your whole library and then import your, your owned library and then you just go to your purchase and download them all again. To to um, 
if I were to do the iTunes match, mm-hmm. w- would that sort of stop this from happening again? Yes. Would that... So, see, and it, it's, I mean, it's, what is it, 50 bucks a year or something? I, 35 it is. Is that 35 you said? Yeah, yeah. So I reckon that's a great deal for this one reason, because you don't yeah. have to worry about that backup ever again. Yeah, um, exactly. I was thinking about doing it, and, it's, and I've, I've got actually got $30 vouchers just sitting on, on my bedside uh, table, and I was thinking of doing it these holidays, mm. but it, it struck before I could do yeah. <laughs> Well, you've got holidays, so you've got time to do it, but I'm, so you, the, the point you've nailed is basically you've got this hard drive. I've got a hard drive full of all my music, but... I can set up a computer anywhere in the world. I can put in my iTunes password, and it will just download every single song I own, even yeah, the ones okay. I didn't buy from iTunes, and that's what you want. Yeah. So. Okay, so you know you're saying yours lives on a network drive. Mm. I thought iTunes didn't do that. I thought I looked into that a little while ago. So here's what it does. It allows me on my computer to have yeah. my library and my playlists on a network drive, but yeah. it doesn't allow any other computer to use that same um, net, uh, wow. that same playlist and all that kind of stuff. But the files live on a network drive so that if I use another application or a streaming music player or something, I can access them. Okay. But I've yeah, it's the those... worst thing about iTunes is you can't share your music without being in the... Like you can have an iTunes share and all this kind of stuff. I can, In fact, my network drive, when I open up iTunes, it actually says um, shared iTunes library. It's, it's very good. Yeah. But it's called iTunes Server on my network drive, which is fantastic, but it doesn't allow me to have a um, all those playlists and things, which, to be honest, I'm moving on from because I, I, I use streaming music services anyway. Oh, okay. And that's the other thing as well. My wife was saying we should, you know, maybe instead of sending $35 on that, subscribe a year to something and see how that goes. Well, again, the, the, you put your, you put yourself through the, uh, like one of those flow charts of questions. Um, yeah. You know, do you listen to what, a lot of new music? Not really, no. Then but... not highly worth it. So... Okay. I tell you the only reason I use streaming music services because yeah. I I now and again I get free free subscriptions. Yeah, okay. For, so I've got at the moment I'm on a three month audio, uh, and then yeah. I'm going to go three months Spotify, and I kind of get myself through. But yeah, sure. I, to be honest, mate, I've list, I've got four songs from the last four years, and yeah. in my playlist, yeah. and I listen to the same playlist all the time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I'm the same. For me, oh, yeah. the iTunes matches the best investment. For people that love discovering new music and finding new music, then streaming music services are definitely the way to go. Sure. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I'll All give right. that a go. Good luck, mate. Thank you, Trevor. I appreciate Thank- your help. Good on you, mate. Thanks for getting in touch. Okay, bye. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website eftm.com.au or you can call 1-800-157-157. I think that's the same sting I played last week before I spoke about the good people at Garmin. Garmin Satellite Navigation and GPS Technologies. And let me tell you, uh, the Golf GPS like no other. That's how the Garmin Approach S4 is described. It's a touchscreen GPS watch uh, with sunlight-readable, high-resolution display. An extra-long battery lasting up to 10 hours in GPS mode six weeks in watch mode, preloaded with more than 30,000 international courses, no subscriptions or fees, precise distance to the front, the back, the middle of the greens, plus layups and dog legs, detailed stat tracking for better analysis of your games, and even receives email text alerts as you go. So a simple watch that you wear on your wrist, looks like a watch, smells like a watch, and it is a watch, but at the same time, With the press of a button, it goes into golf mode and it'll help you get through your game and keep track of your game. Uh, A great little product. It's called the Approach S4. You'll find it for um, around $3.99 or less uh, from Garmin and uh, their selected retail partners, garmin.com.au, for more information about the, the Approach S4, the golf GPS, like no other. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Any questions about technology, problems with technology, or you just want to have a chat about anything technology in your life, just go to the website, eftm.com.au, or you can call 1-800-157-157. Now, I don't know how many people are actually using these things, but I certainly see a lot of them popping up. And uh, and when I'm in cabs, I notice that they're, they're having an impact. And I'm talking about the apps that allow you to find, book, and pay for taxi journeys. And this is a real big change from what was a uh, very singular monopoly-based uh, approach around the, the kind of cab charge and, the, and the, the radio booking system, as they might be. And one such app is called Ingogo. And I remember talking about this several years ago, I think it was, when it, when it launched. But uh, founder and uh, managing director Hamish Petrie is on the line. G'day, mate. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. How are you? Mate, very well. When was Ingogo created for the first time and launched? Look, we, we started Ground Zero in August 2011. Uh-huh. Um, we spent about six months writing software, and then we, we put it out um, pretty much just prior to Christmas of 2011. So, so a couple of years now, your second, second Christmas uh, coming up. Third, know, third they, Christmas, really. Yeah. They fly by very quickly. They do. So, you know, it's not a cheap thing to uh, – well, it, it can be cheap to set up an app, but when you're talking about integrating the things that you do, it's, it's, it's not cheap at all. Just give us a quick background before we talk about money and how, how hard it is to get and how much money you've got. Yeah. Um, what is Ingogo and what's, what's the basis for, for the app and the development? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we started off as a, as a booking application, so you could download an app to your iPhone or Android phone, basically put in a request through the app, and what our system would do would find you the closest driver who's also using one of our applications. Um, we'd connect the two of you together. You could talk to each other. Um, you could see exactly where that driver was on the map, and that was kind of the very start of our business. Uh, we are growing from there to actually encompass a mobile wallet so you could actually pay for the trip. Um, and then we've spent a lot of time building out our payment system. So um, you can now tap your card on a terminal if you want to do a contactless payment yep. or you can insert the card and do an FPOS payment. So, yeah, it's grown from a very simple app to a full-blown payment system. And is that why even if sometimes I don't book the, the cab through Ingogo, a, a taxi driver may take my payment that way? Exactly. Um, that's what we found the early stage of the business you know, not everybody is going to book a, a cab through an app. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love them to, yeah. but um, you're still going to get people that walk out of their office in the city and, and a cab sitting right in front of them and yep. may not use technology to do that. And what the drivers were asking for was a, a better payment system to, uh, to to make payment at the end of those trips. So that's what we've essentially gone and built. The, um, the, the, we, the other thing that happens in cabs is cab drivers reach into the centre console and grab a mobile FPOS terminal that worries me greatly, I'll be honest with you, um, because I think of card skimming, I think of all those risks, and I'm not, not being disrespectful to the cab drivers, but you know it can happen and does happen, frankly. Um, what's the safety and security for users around um, if a cabbie pulls out a mobile phone and says, let me have your card and swipe it here? Yeah, so what they're actually doing, they're, they're processing the card through an, what's called an EMV-compliant terminal. So we've partnered with both the ANZ Bank and Ingenico, which is a global... Um, payment terminal company and basically we've put in place um, payment hardware that has the latest security systems that are approved by the banks and by Visa and MasterCard. Um, so you're, you're basically tapping your card on that comp- compliant bit of hardware. You'll see the ANZ banking logo on it um, and that ensures that when you when you do um, transact through that system, all your information is encrypted um, and it's bank-grade um, security on the system. Do you supply the drivers with the mobile phone or is it just their own mobile? Yeah, so the, the big difference with us is we're actually getting the drivers to come into our office. Um, we take them through a training program where we're scanning their driver's licence and their taxi authority um, and then we supply them with all that equipment for free. So we're mm-hmm. giving them a, um, a free smartphone, um, we're giving them the terminal and then we give them a printer because some people still want to get printed receipts. Right. <laughs> How dare they? Uh, and so, so basically, that's the first iteration is, um, and that, that's that's kind of a, a little branch out because you didn't think that originally was going to be the, the business model was just being a payment technology. You you were looking at the booking sides. But while the booking side grows, and we'll talk about that in a minute, the, the yeah. payment side is, is a great uh, new business opportunity because it was really a dominant, um, you know, cab charge dominated market, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So you look at cab charges business, um, you know, there are a few different elements to it, the booking system. Uh, the, the payment terminal that's in the car and also the, the corporate payment system. So what we've literally done is roll all three of those businesses into one kind of mobile app platform. Um, so companies can get an account within GoGo. Um, they don't need to get cards or dockets anymore. Um, they literally give their staff an app, and with that app they can actually pay for their taxi trips. Yeah, right. Um, all, the, all the electronic payments that are being conducted in the car, like people tapping cards or using their post, we well, mm. um, and then through to booking. So people want to actually request a cab, um, they can request that through the app as well. So I've worked in plenty of places that use cab charge dockets. Or just talk me through again what, what your kind of your alternative for that for business is. Yeah, so I mean, the, there's a lot of problems with that. Um, obviously, distributing the dockets, um, wondering where they've ended up, 
um, accounting for them at the end of the day. What do they get used for? So instead, with our system, literally a company loads up, um, you know, the staff's name, mobile number, and an email address. It sends them out a request to download the app, gives them access to a central balance on our system. Um, they download the app. They create like a four-digit Ingogo payment code, and then they just approve all your payments with that with that payment code. So it's all done app to app. The driver enters the amount on their app. Um, that pushes to you as a passenger with your with your corporate version of the Ingogo app, and you just literally look at the amount, approve it with the four-digit code, and you're done. Um, you don't need to go and put in an expense claim. You don't need to tell the company what you took the trip for. Um, the app manages that whole process for you. It's you know it's revolutionary, really. But what I mean, the issue for some businesses would be it's hit and miss, isn't it, when it comes to actually getting a cab that works for it? But I guess you know who the cabs are. So if you if you use the system end to end, and let's talk now about the booking part. If you use the system to book the cab, then you know it's going to accept in GoGo. So a corporate level um, usage is then quite use quite easy to do. Exactly, and um, in Sydney we think we're we're in around about fifteen percent of the cabs now. Uh, and a we're lot of growth to, ahead, then, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot of growth ahead, but um, yeah, if you definitely want to guarantee it, you can use the app to request the cab, and that way you know they've got our uh, payment system in there. It's hmm. fantastic. So, as a user, forget the corporate. I'm just an everyday Joe. Every now and then, I get a cab out on the drink, whatever it might be. Uh, I've got the app on my phone. How does it allow me to book a cab, and what's the advantage to using Ingogo instead of just picking up the phone or waiting on the side of the road? Yeah, I mean, a classic um, example of how you might use it, you might be out at dinner with your friends or in the pub, um, open the app, it'll auto-detect where you are. So if you're not familiar with the area you're in, it will work out exactly where you are from GPS. Mm-hmm. Um, you just drop in the location you want to go to, um, hit a button, it's going to go out automatically and find the nearby cabs for you. Um, once one of the drivers accepts the job, it'll pop up on your screen exactly who that driver is and where he is on the map. And... Suppose it's raining outside. Instead of you running around in the rain, waving your hands around, you can sit in the, the comfort of the, the restaurant or the pub um, and just step out when you see the guys out the front on the map. Wow. Um, so, you know, it just makes the whole experience of knowing where your cab is and how long you'll be um, a whole lot better. Now, are we going from a monopoly cab charge and, you know, radio booking system to a you know, heavily diluted multiplayer system because there's plenty out there, isn't there? Look, I think, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a battle. Um, there's a battle being played out. Um, the networks have been trying for the last two years to stop our our progress, um, you know, via the Taxi Council, and they've, they've failed at doing that. And, you know, we are taking um, market share off them because we're providing a better experience mm. um, to passengers. So... Yeah, I think you know they're finding it very tough. They are losing, they are losing bookings um, to our business, and you know each year we do we do grow. So, what um what about the other apps in the market? You know there are a couple of them at the very least, if if not. So there's obviously ones that the the cab companies have. Um, I can think of I think it's GoCatch. I can think of Uber. There's a lot lot happening in the space. How do you stick your head out of that pie and say we're 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 the one you should use? Yeah, look, we we're the only one to um, to actually get drivers in and validate all their license details. So we scan uh, the taxi driver's license and authority. Um, we've got a secure login, so we know exactly who's logging into the platform. So, say for example, you're a woman leaving work um, late at night, you can be confident that the cab that's picking you up, the driver's been identified, and they're not just a random mm-hmm. uh, driver on the end. Um, and we believe we've got the most amount of coverage here in the Sydney market. So, uh, you know, try us out. Um, coverage is king. Coverage is king. Yeah. Just, ask, just ask the telcos. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you put a job in, we believe you're going to get it accepted more often on our application just because yeah. we've got the coverage. Now, what this last round of uh, funding, and we talk about funding and people at home listening or out and about listening would be going, what are you talking about? There's millions of dollars, but it's important for a small business these days. And, you know, you'll talk startup. I, I don't use the word a lot because really you're a new business. You're a small business growing or you're a new business growing. 
um, you, you get funding, and that's how you, that's how you operate until you get to a point where you're profitable, and or you know you go to IPO and launch on the stock market. You've just yep. raised more funding, another three point four million dollars, taking to it around seven million dollars worth of funding. What does that allow you to do? What's next? What's twenty fourteen for Ingogo? Yeah, look, we we believe we've built a um, a very comprehensive payment platform. And, and we think the, there's a, a range of different industries that might actually be able to use that pa- platform um, to do mobile-type payments. Um, so we're exploring how we can, um, we can take that platform and provide it into other industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also looking at exporting the, the actual taxi platform that we've built into to overseas markets. So we're having discussions at the moment with companies that may wish to license that offshore. Um, so, yeah, that's... There's a lot of things that we need to do, and we want to continue expanding the business here within Australia. So, um, you know, we've recently opened up an office in Melbourne to start um, the Melbourne market off, and we'd like to go into other capital cities in Australia. So all of those things cost money to do, mm-hmm. uh, and hence why we've raised the capital to do it. Uh, we're also planning to IPO around the middle of next year, um, you know, to take the company public, and that, that process costs money as well. Well, it's very exciting, and it must be great. It's like a, you're like a dad watching your child, uh, you know, get awards at school or something. But uh, it's exciting as as a person who you know is there at the very start and comes up with an idea to see it go so well, and to see people actually using it. You must be quite proud of it. Yeah, look, I think the really exciting thing is to um, to look back two years ago and trying to get a cab, and there were no apps around, and um, it was quite a difficult process. And now to be able to jump on the app and get a cab quickly and Talking to the drivers, they're really excited about um, the difference it's brought to their their working day. And then you talk to other passengers um, that are using the app, and you see people talking about it on Twitter, and they're having a good experience. And it's yeah, it's exciting to actually see the idea become uh, tangible reality and, and making a difference. I'm downloading as we speak, mate. Good man. Good on you. Thanks very <laughs> much for the chat. Good luck uh, with the cash. Don't spend it all at once. Uh, and I look forward to following the journey over the next uh, 12 months, let alone a lot longer than that as well. Yeah, thank you very much and appreciate your time. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And uh, thank you for listening. Now, the NBN. Uh, I'm going about to play you an interview I recorded on the day that the Strategic Review was announced. Um, so thus the today references within the, within the interview. Uh, I caught up with... NBN's new CEO, current Vodafone CEO, Bill Morrow. A big day for the telecommunications industry today, with the NBN co-releasing a strategic review under the coalition government, which includes new targets for the rollout of the national broadband network, the costs of that rollout, and how it compares to the reality of what was happening under the previous government. More on that in the days and weeks ahead. But the other part of today's announcement was the appointment of a new CEO, and that role is going to the current Vodafone CEO, Bill Morrow, who joins me on the line. And he'll be joining the NBN early next year. Bill, g'day. Hello, how are you? Good, mate. What's a bigger challenge, turning around Vodafone or the NBN? You know, I, I think uh, any CEO has the challenges that's in front of them. It's just a slightly different approach that you have to take, modify your strategies, get the right people in place, align them, and go forward on it. So it's, it's not a comparison in that regard. Over the last couple of months, you've probably got rid of the last of the bad news out of Vodafone. You've been there almost a couple of years, and it really should be from here good news and, and growth and those kind of things. Isn't it difficult to walk away from it just at that very point in time? No, not at all, Trevor. In fact, if you think about it, the work that has been done, which we have almost a brand new network, we have uh, independent studies telling us that we are either number one or number two in most areas. We have the onshore call center, the only one to offer it here locally in Australia. We've got the best value plans that are out there. We are seeing growth. We are beating our targets out there. Uh, but this is all done by the local employees, and those employees are the ones that deserve the credit. So in uh, that way, you know, I, I would never be the one to want to stay and relish in that since it belongs to, to the people that have been doing the work. You know, I get the groundwork is there, but can that really continue without your clear and very dominant cultural and business leadership amongst the team? Uh, listen, I, again, all I do is align people up on this. Uh, you know, it's an amazing staff here. They really care genuinely about the customer. Uh, they want to develop. They want to be better tomorrow than they were yesterday. Uh, this is something that I know that I can leave them with and know uh, with good confidence that it's going to carry forward. And you're confident 2014 is the big year for Vodafone? 
Indeed, I am. Won't it be hard to watch that from the sidelines? Uh, no, I'll take a lot of pride of looking back and seeing what uh, Vodafone is doing. Uh, you know, I, I get quite attached to people. I, you know, I will stay friends and I will offer my opinion. And uh, once the new CEO gets appointed, it's no doubt that I'll, you know, stay connected with that individual and offer whatever insight and help that I can, you know, without compromising my position at NBN. Uh, but I, 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 I expect them to deliver great things, and uh, I'm going to be quite proud when I see it. I'm not going to get into a discussion about fibre to the home and fibre to the node and liberal versus labour. That's for another day. But just looking at your new role, what are the principles for your leadership at the NBN? What needs to change? Well, I, you know, I can't say what needs to change, but I can say the approach that um, I typically take. And, and that, Trevor, is... Uh, first of all, we have to get in and recognize that we're doing something that really is above and beyond the normal call of duty. We're offering uh, Australia as a nation a chance to create a new ecosystem. There is clearly a digital revolution that has taken place. Um, it's going to create uh, new opportunities, whether it's down the e-commerce side, down the educational component, or just bringing different ways of how we live our lives together. If we do this right, we'll see an ecosystem that will bring benefit to all Australians. Um, so that's making sure that we all understand that we're going to be fortunate to be a part of creating that. Second is being crystal clear on the direction, the importance, the priorities, uh, respecting individuals, making sure that we're developing ourselves to be able to be better tomorrow than we were yesterday, uh, the right people and the right jobs, and again, uh, listening to the customers, uh, executing uh, like there's no tomorrow, and, and making the country proud. Given your background, and especially the recent past, what, what role does mobile play in the NBN? I think it plays an important role. Remember, the idea of Internet access to all Australians can come in a variety of different forms, uh, and there's a wireless component to that too. We, you know, you want to have good competition because that brings innovation, it brings lower prices. Uh, you want to have somewhat of an eclectic approach behind this. I, I, I've not read the strategic review, but I'm going to assume that there's some components of that within uh, and so mobile will, will play a part. I think we have to have a backhaul strategy that allows more mobile towers to get out to various locations. Maybe there's collaboration with MBN. Maybe there's different ways of thinking about it. Uh, but uh, mobile will not be left on the sidelines. You've had a couple of clear stakeholders at Vodafone over your shoulder, you know, putting uh, pressure on you to meet targets and whatnot. You've now got 23 million people and a very angry media, really, around the NBN. How confident are you about hitting targets and managing the expectations about such a high-profile public project? Well, I, I can never say with a high degree of confidence um, of something that I haven't been in, been a part of, know the capacity of the organization, but I can mm. tell you this, Trevor, I, you know, after getting in there for a while, we will build the capability. We will line up our third-party partners to be able to help, uh, and we will be able to offer more prediction, more uh, expectation setting to where when we set a target, we'll be able to hit it. When uh, Bill Morrow gets home at night, turns on the computer and goes to speedtest.net, what, uh, what speed broadband have you got at home? Uh, well, I have probably on average of about four to five megabits per second, um, I, I will tell you this, of coming, living in Europe and living in America, that's, that's quite slow from what I am used to. Mm. I think there are opportunities to increase that. Um, this is a little bit why, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting statement when you look and you see wireless carriers such as Vodafone that can offer faster services than the, the standard DSL2 service that uh, is prevalent around the country. So this project is ripe to be able to enhance that, bring more to it, uh, and I'm just you know thrilled that I'm going to be a part of that. And just finally, I mean, the people I speak to at Vodafone and, and, and around the traps you know, are very disappointed or get sad to see you leave the company. It must have been a tough decision. Uh, you know, it's, it is a tough decision, Trevor. I mean, again, you get attached to people. I, I have to tell you, I have absolutely fallen in love with the country. I've fallen in love with the people. Uh, and, you know, I just feel such an affinity. So, you know, when, when, when I have to tell the employees that, you know, um, I, I'm going to let them run off and carry on this next stage uh, on their own, there is a degree of sadness with it. But as with any case, then there's a degree of excitement about moving on onto the NBN side. But I'll, I'll always be friends with the people that are here. Well, I don't know whether you're mad or a sucker for punishment, but if you can bring the transparency and, uh, and honesty that you've brought to Vodafone to the NBN, then it'll be a big win for the, for the country. So good luck. Thank you very much, Trevor. 
And thanks for listening. Your Tech Life, eftm.com.au or 1800 uh, Let's keep going with calls. G'day, uh, Ashley. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Good, mate. What can I do for you? Mate, I purchased a, an iPhone 5S about um, in early November. Fingerprint scanner, all those things. What uh, what was the uh, what was the factor that made you make that decision? Um, it was that my wife's iPhone died. Oh, well, it got old and the screen wasn't working properly. An old 3GS. Uh-huh. I already had a five, and so we needed to replace hers. I couldn't bear the thought of having a better one than me, so <laughs> I got her my five, and I got the five S. It's a very common thing. It happens in my <laughs> household as well. But anyway, yeah. what can I help you with, mate? Well, about two weeks after I got it, it started turning itself off periodically. Um, so I use that same sleep cycle thing that you do. Yeah, sure. And, and if it turns itself off in the middle of the night, suddenly you don't have an alarm in the morning. Yeah, that's an issue. A couple of times. Mm. And then uh, Tuesday of last week, it had a blue screen crash. Blue screen? Completely died. Yeah, the screen went blue, then it went yellow and white eventually faded to white and just stayed like that wow nothing i could do to get it to start up again so i did a bit of searching on the net and found out how to put it into dfu mode where you then plug it into uh, laptop itunes and restore it as a completely new phone phone, so i did that got it going again but you know the next day it crashed again and it keeps it just keeps crashing now and so I went and saw um, Telstra store where I bought it. Uh-huh. Um, they told me that they could only, all they could do was send it away to a tech for him to have a look at, and that could take five days. And I said, well, I can't go without it because I need it for my work. It's yeah. vital. Um, and basically, I said, well, bad luck. You know, that's the best we can do, send it away for five days. Yeah. So I spoke to the manager, and he was actually even ruder than the technician had been, huh. supposed technician. And um, so I left there, and not feeling terribly pleased with Telstra. When you say rude, I, I mean, what, what, just dismissive, or? Yeah, it's just like, well, you know, bad luck. It's you know, we got to send it away for five days. End of story. No offer to give me some sort of replacement phone or a loan phone or to divert calls or anything like that. It was just, that was the only solution. Right here, right here. Um, so anyway, I came home and I got on to the Apple support chat thing mm-hmm. and they were very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they suggested, they eventually got someone from here in Australia to ring me and he said, no, you need... You know, click, I'd worked through everything that they were going to suggest to determine whether it was software or hardware. Yep. So they were satisfied that it was a hardware fault. Yep. They said, go back to Telstra, they need to replace it. So I went down there again, spoke to the manager again, basically got the same story, left even angrier than I was before. Um, came home, got back onto Apple, and um, eventually agreed that they would they would send me a replacement phone. Apple. Um, and uh, when it arrives, I package my phone up and send it back to them. That's a Which, good deal. So, so Apple's been great. But to be honest with you, Telstra, a bit pissed off. That is really disappointing. So so just to be clear, where you're at right now is, has the new phone arrived? No, but I got an email from Apple this morning, which, as I said, they've been very good keeping me up to date, and it has shipped. And I checked the shipping thing that they gave me, where you can track yeah. your number, yeah. and it's in transit. So, yeah. where, whereabouts are you, mate? Turn up tomorrow in Toowoomba, in Queensland. Toowoomba, right? Okay. So you don't have an Apple store nearby. That's that's the go. Nearest one, I think, is in Chermside and Brisbane. That's correct. Yeah. Best part of two hours. Because drive I was like. just going to say, um, in in Sydney or Brisbane or Melbourne or, or Perth, I'd be saying to people, go to the Apple store, and they'll pretty much. I've, I had a mate who who's only who had his second one replaced just. You know, sheer bad luck, really. But um, but you know, just walk in, and the the Apple people can tell whether you're taking the Mickey. Uh, mm. You know, if you try and tell them it's it's busted, but you don't tell them you dropped it in a pool of water, then they know. So you can't pull the wool over their eyes. And you know what? They know that when you make millions and millions of something, some of them go wrong, <laughs> and yeah. um, and they pretty much swap you out on the spot. And uh, and I've never had much issue with that. So. It doesn't surprise me that you're getting good service with Apple, but it does surprise me, and you, you may be surprised by that. 
does surprise me that you're getting bad service at Telstra because, uh, and I've mentioned this before, I've had a little bit to do with Telstra recently, and, you know, their whole mantra is about customer service. David Thody would be filthy to hear that anyone left the store thinking that someone in there was rude. Um, so, you know, that's that's really disappointing. Look, the, the outcome for you, obviously, is that... Um, you know that you're going to get what you needed. You're going to get a, a new phone, and, and I'm sure it'll be it'll be working fine. Um, you know, from my point of view, if you, if you if you don't mind, I would like to send this phone call to to some of the people I know at Telstra just to say, look, we're not saying that someone should have their bum kicked here, but you need to know that this is an experience that has happened, and you know we need we need some training to occur with with staff. Well, even if they had offered me some other option. Even if they said, "All right, we can't just give you a new phone." No, and, and to be honest, that's but, the thing. That's the thing that really bugs me about these kind of stories. Is look, you know, I don't expect they keep a stock of crappy old phones or even reasonable new ones. But mate, on the shelf behind me in my little studio here, I've got at least forty-five phones. Right now, <laughs> probably five of them I could get running within half an hour through through a, a standard charger. The others are so old, I probably couldn't find a charger for them. Then the only issue normally is the size of the SIM card. And you're in a Telstra store. They could, re- they could give you a new SIM card on the spot. So it, does, it bugs me that that couldn't have been a solution. Say, so, yep, you're going to be out of business for five days. But let's, even if it was an old Nokia you know, that just did numbers and wasn't a smartphone, you probably would say, yep, that's fine. At least people can call me. And, yeah. um, and you'd be okay with it. And we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. That's right. Yeah, I just with my job, um, that I work out of the office probably ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. So without the phone, it's a a dangerous because we've got to carry one for safety contact reasons, and b it's just inconvenient for you know the office not being able to reach me or me being able to reach them. People wonder why Apple is so successful, and I tell you, it's because of customer service. It's not just the products. It is is honestly because of customer service. Because think about it, um, mate. You will. Um, Actually, next time you're in the market for something, you, an Apple comes up, you'll think good things about that company. Well, um, I, I wouldn't go to Telstra to buy my next phone. I'll buy it straight from Apple. Yeah. Uh, well, that's disappointing. For Whether it was Telstra or Optus or Vodafone, doesn't worry to me. It's, it's disappointing to hear anyone talk badly about any customer service experience. So I'm going to pass it on to Telstra, not to say anything's going to happen as a result, but it's just important that they, they hear the stories of real people on the, out in there on the coalface and... Um, you uh, will at least get a new phone in the coming days and then ship your old one back to them and uh, hopefully yep. you'll, you'll be running well for a while, Ashley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. mate. Thanks for the story. Thanks for getting in touch. No worries. Thanks, Trevor. No worries. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Uh, my name's Trevor Long. You can call anytime, one eight hundred one five seven one five seven, 157 157 or you can go to the website, eftm.com.au. Let's uh, go back to calls on the Skype. G'day, Vaughan. G'day, Trev. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Good, good. What's happening? Mate, I'm ringing you for some advice on two aspects. I'm wanting to get a vacuum cleaner. Um, now, I'm totally Isn't it blind. funny, mate? Vacuum cleaners probably five, six years ago would not have been a thing discussed on a technology show. But they're so important because they've got so much technology within well, them. Well, that's it. You know, I look at them now and I look at the, 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 the amazing stuff that's going on in that field. It's, it's absolutely technology. So what's happening for you, mate? Well, I'm totally blind. So I've got a guide dog mm-hmm. and I wandered into the Godfrey store at Castle Hill and mm-hmm. I spoke to them about um, getting a vacuum cleaner. They sold me one. Uh, sorry, it was Parramatta. They sold me one and the, um, the vacuum, cut a long story short, uh, within about three months the hose got completely blocked up uh, and it stopped sucking and so I um, took it back to the Castle Hill store because that was my closest store and they said no we don't want to give you your money back we'd like to give you another vacuum cleaner we'd like to look after you blah 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 yep, yep. and they set me up with another vacuum cleaner uh, which I took home and then I ran over a and they asked me for another 50 bucks so the price now is up to 550 yeah. um, which is a fair amount of money on a vacuum cleaner oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah absolutely um, and then after about two and a half months of having their one, the I ran over a post-it note and something else, uh, something other, equally small, and the head uh, blocked, and it was making horrible sucking noises. So I took it back in, um, and they got another vacuum cleaner and sucked it out, and I said, look, guys, you know, I can't be coming up here every time the vacuum cleaner gets blocked to have <laughs> you guys fix it. 
Exactly. Um, I want my money back. And they said no. Mm. So it's gone to the regional manager. He's trying to swap me into a Sorba commercial vacuum cleaner. But there's two issues here. I've lost confidence in Godfrey's and I want to get my money back. And I'm thinking that given that I spent $550 and they've sold me something that's not fit for the purpose, I should get my money back. Yeah, look, <clears throat> I'm not a consumer lawyer, let's be clear, but yeah. um, th- there is a point at which you know they- they've got to help and they're-, they're clearly trying to help, which is a good thing, um, but they have upsold you on the on the second one, which is a bit of a pain. The, the-, the first thing, I-, I think you're going to need to separate it out into two issues. One is getting your mo- one is finding the t- right vacuum for you, yeah. and the other one is getting your money back from Godfrey's or or, or whatever the case might be. And I think they are very separate because in the end, the process may not be quick, it, you know, because you may need to go to fair trading on the on the Godfrey's issue just because the, the, the laws are pretty much that they need to, you know, they've got signs up. Now, here's what's really unique about your situation, Vaughn. You're blind and it's not like they didn't know that, right? Well, exactly. Because yeah. you're blind. Did you have a, a, a guide dog with you or, or, or a stick? Help? No, no, I use a guide dog, so okay. it's pretty so obvious. Very obvious that you're, <laughs> you're a blind man. And um, very obvious to see that where the hair's going to come from. And, and the other, here's, here's what I think is the real intricacy of your situation. In, in, as I understand the broad principles here, um, stores do have the right to set their, their refund exchange policies as long as they spell them out on a sign. Now, for a blind man... Uh, you wouldn't have seen the sign. You wouldn't even know if they had a sign. And for you, one would expect they would explain their policy. So and I... they, they did, in fairness okay. to them. They did say you got 10 days to, to, to bring it back. But I said, well, I'm not going to know in 10 days whether <laughs> yeah. it's any, any good or not. You yeah, know, right. like it's a new, brand new vacuum cleaner you're giving me. Oh, I've only vacuumed a couple of times in that time. You know, and so I said, oh, well, we'll look after you, you know. Um, yeah. So I gave it a good go. I should have really stood my ground the first time and said, no, I just want my money back. But you try and do the right thing by companies, you know. Yeah. But it sounds like the regional manager was at least is at least, you know, trying He's to help it. But dialogue. again, yeah. I, look, the thing is, so my, if, if someone says to me what vacuum we get, I'll tell you, I'd nearly always recommend a Dyson. Um, we've had a Dyson for seven, eight years. And to be honest, I've got several of them now, um, different variations. Um, the big mother new one and plus a little stick one. And they they're fantastic, unbelievable things. I don't have a pet though, so I don't know specifically how it goes. But they they even have one that is called the the animal for pet hair. And um, on EFTM, we've been running a, a, a relay competition where we've had a Dyson going out to like sixteen different people, and and they have been testing it. A lot of them have got pets, so I have a great confidence in their ability to handle pets. Now here's the problem: is that's an expensive vacuum. You're talking seven eight hundred dollars. So what I'm where I'm at with you is you, you, you're probably being upsold now to that level, and the question is if you pay that extra with Godfrey's and get this commercial style one, will you get the result <laughs> that would yeah, end up? You don't with, mind paying as long as you're getting the results. Well, and that's right. So I could nearly put hand on heart and say, mate, you'd, you'd smash it with a Dyson. Um, you'd yeah. never have a problem, and and it's worth spending the money. But I can't say that with the other the other model. Um, because that's the other thing they've told me. Once I take it out of the store, they're not going to enter into any more discussions on the commercial model. Well, I think you know. I think in that case, it's a matter of saying uh, that's that's not a that's not the go. Um, you know, you, you need you need your money back, and um, I think you're going to be on sticky ground there, mate, because they they did have that policy early on. Mm. I, th- I think it. You know, and this sounds terrible to say, but I think you need to tug on the heartstrings there a little bit, obviously, due to personal circumstance. Um, and I would be writing to the head office uh, very quickly and saying, look, it's very simple. I've tried really hard. I should have asked for my money back after the first one, but I, you know, I appreciated that they were making an effort. Mm. But frankly, I just want my money back now so I can go and buy a different vacuum, a better vacuum, and, you know, I've got a, you know, difficult circumstance. So I really like this not to be an issue for me right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not, not pass blame on them or anything like that, but just basically no. say, you know what, seriously, um, I'm really just trying to get through life here, if you could just help me out. Um, I don't have any contacts at Godfrey Vaughan, so I can't make an, even a representation yeah. for yeah. you. But You don't let, have any let, contacts at Godfrey's? Let, let me make – I don't have any contacts at Godfrey's, but I do have contacts at Dyson. So if you are able to get your money back and you are interested in buying a Dyson, I, I, I'd be happy to make a representation to get you at least a very good deal on, on a Dyson. 
or even even if they could organise a, a, a you know the the animal or something for me to give it a bit of a test to make sure it's going to do what I need, you know. We can maybe give that a go. I'll definitely yeah. get in touch with them and see what we can organise, mate. Because uh, but like, oh, be like you say, how, how long can you test something before you know it's right? Yeah, well, um, you know what I mean. You've just got to give it a go and make sure it's picking up what you need and let, run it over. Let, let me ask you, Vaughan, and a kind of personal mm. question, but how does a blind man vacuum? Um. It's about your space and your angles. You've because got to, because you um, know, you you don't you don't use a guide dog around the house. You learn your environment. No, no. You, you can walk freely around your home, can't you? Oh yeah, and the yard. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of the yard work as yeah, well. Right. So it's about getting used to the size of the room and the angles, uh, and vacuuming. You you know, you you do miss the odd bit occasionally, yeah, but trying sure. to vacuum to a pattern. You know, yeah, yeah right, unbelievable. What are you, talking of Dyson. What about where do they stand with the robot vacuum cleaners? So Dyson doesn't do anything robotic. They're, they rely entirely on the human being and, and the and the technology within the vacuum. Their cyclonic technology, which is which is mind blowing. I've actually got right now. I've got a Samsung uh, robot vacuum. We've just got a new place. Um, we put in a timber floor downstairs, so it's a big flat environment. We've never had yeah. that before. We've had tiles onto carpet onto whatever. Mm. So this is a really interesting test. I haven't really been able to give it a good try because the place is a bloody mess when we're unpacking. While we weren't here and it was pretty much empty, I had the thing running around, and to be honest, it does a great job of day to day tidying up. As in just bits of dust particles Correct. and things like that. Yeah, so don't you don't feel like it's always messy, but yeah. you still need to do it to vacuum. Do you know what I mean? Like you still need to go mm. around and do the big bits and 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 it get like this thing got stuck in a chair and just sat there and just didn't, didn't know where to go. Uh, when right. when in the laundry and got stuck on a on a um, on a power cord. Uh, you know, you've really got to set the environment up for it. And it's it's like when my wife and I used to get cleaners in once once a week or once a fortnight. You'd have to tidy the house before they came. It's like, well, what was the point uh, of that? What's the point? So, yeah, robots, I think, are great for general kind of tidies, but um, but I still think you need an everyday vacuum. But if you're still got to get if you're still got to get on the tools at least once a week and do it, you might as well just do it twice a week and use the human machine. Correct, exactly. So you know, look. So I, you don't think they're the answer, in other words, at the moment? Not at the moment, no. Look, I think for you, mm. I think my advice for you is to is to keep pushing with Godfrey's and make a representation as best you can, and I'll take on board the the, the question about Dyson. We'll see whether we can help you out with a with one early in the new year once we get past Christmas, and see whether we can get you a test one for a little bit. All right, and I'll let you know how I go with Godfrey's. Good on you, mate. Thanks for getting in touch, Vaughan. Thanks, Trev. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website eftm.com. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. And thank you for listening. Uh, Another one comes to a close. Now, I've had a little idea. Um, You know Stephen Fennick's app called Voice Byte? I think we've talked about it on Two Blokes Talking Tech. It's a a way of sending audio messages to to friends and and people who follow you and that that you broadcast to uh, on the internet. But then the... Amazing thing is that you can also share it on Facebook and Twitter. Well, I've had an idea to give some stuff away, like a secret sound. So worthwhile following me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long. You'll be able to find me on VoiceByte there, and perhaps uh, you can download the app and, and listen as you go. So check that out. Uh, it's called VoiceByte, and I'm going to give some cool stuff away over Christmas, including, at the very least, a mobile phone. So stay listening for that. Uh, thank you for downloading uh, each and every week. Thank you for your um, loyalty and your, your patience with me. Um, it would be great to hear from you over the uh, weeks ahead as I round out the year. Always good to hear from people. Just send me an email, say good day, say Merry Christmas. I don't mind. And I'll write back and say Merry Christmas to you. Just great to hear from people and, and really understand who's listening and, and all those kind of things. It's fantastic stuff. So thank you for uh, joining me each and every week. Um, you can get in touch anytime you like, eftm.com.au or call 1-800-157-157. We will talk to you again very soon.